0: Welcome back to the Metal Exchange. Justin and Chris and a special guest here with you for this one. Uh, say hello. She can't hear me. It's all right. Go she's ahead. She's very
1: shy.
0: <laughs> How's uh, it going? Uh, it's going
1: well, my friend. How are you doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, definitely um, enjoyed the trip down uh, memory lane this this week. Um I know we we talk about a lot of albums that we listened to when we were in high school, but this one, for whatever reason, was especially nostalgic.
0: Yeah, this one, um, this one definitely hits a spot for us, and we haven't talked about Angra in, in what wow, over two years at this point, so we are long overdue for another Angra conversation. But uh, before we get there, just a couple of things that kind of caught my ear this week. Earlier, earlier in the week, I, I got sent a song by a band called Sixth Wonder. Uh, I guess they're just not as good as Seventh Wonder because, you know, they're only six. But th- this band just came out with a new single called Saboteur, uh, not to be confused with Sabaton. But this band reminded me heavily of Spirit Box, that Canadian band that came out with an album about two years ago. Um, really, really interesting stuff. It has that kind of mix of, I don't know if you want to call it metalcore, but it has dual vocals with both like the male growls and the... and uh you know, female cleans and just all over the place, really. Uh, this band is out of Glasgow. Um, I'm curious to hear what this album is going to sound like. Uh, it's unclear at this point if this song, Saboteur, is on an album or if it's, um, you know, just released as a single. But they're just a new band that I wanted to keep an eye on. And a band that I've been listening to for a long time, Enslaved, just came out with a new single a little bit before we are starting to record the song is called Forest Dweller. It's off their uh, upcoming album, Heimdall, which is coming out um, relatively soon. Whenever there's a new Enslaved, I have to check it out. I know a lot of people that listen to the show are big fans, so I- I'm sure we'll all be keeping an eye on that. Um, did anything catch your ear this week?
1: Yeah, um, I-, I know we both talked about the new uh, 10 album, Something Wicked This Way Comes, and this is an album I've gone back to and listened to. Uh, I've, I've listened to it four times this week. I really, really liked it. Um, uh, the lead singer is, uh, Gary Hughes, who I always forget his name and end up calling him Gary Moore for some reason. (laughs) Now it's all the more, uh, insulting because Gary Moore is dead. So, uh, but Gary Hughes is a very underrated singer from the UK. Uh, 10 is just this really, um this band that he's been doing for a while now. Um, And I think it's been a while since I listened to any of their new albums. There was, um, there was not you told me about this album years ago that they did uh, called, let me just pull it up. That one was the Twilight Chronicles. And they had this song on it called the Twilight Masquerade. I was absolutely obsessed with that song. It's just such a great tune. Yeah, that is a fantastic song. You're right. It's really, it's just really solid, like melodic rock. I don't even know if I would call it metal. Um, but, uh, it's just really enjoyable. Um, I liked it a lot. Um, so that and the new twilight force album at the heart of Wintervale, have been, uh, the two new albums I've been listening to the most this week, but, uh, I've also listened to the new catatonia and riverside albums, uh, a few times as well. And, uh, while I don't enjoy those as much as Twilight Force and Ten, and uh, and e- and even the Beyond the Black and Skyblazer albums, which came out the week before, um, they're both really solid. Uh, the catatoni is growing on me with each listen. I feel like they're um, they're a little less dreary this time yeah. around, which which I think makes it a little more enjoyable. And uh, the Riverside's pretty. Par for the course, I, I say for them, but I've always really enjoyed their kind of brand of prog rock. So, um, some good stuff. Uh, I, I definitely recommend though if you just like good old fashioned melodic hard rock. Um, ten is is the the new ten album is is the way to go. And and if you love your if you love your, uh, you know, your Twilight Force style power metal, as we all know, I do. Um, this is this is arguably Twilight Force's best album yet. I, I think. Yeah top really to bottom good. it's it's consistent
0: like all the way through it's a solid listen for sure um but yeah I I, I echo your sentiments with 10 it's just such an easy listen if that makes sense almost an, almost like poets of the fall even though they don't sound anything alike it's just something that you can put on and and kind of just let it seep into your consciousness and it works really really well and there's a bunch of albums coming out next week that I have an eye on as well so it should be uh it should be good and we're off to a, a good start for 2023. But let's uh, let's let's talk some Angra. We obviously talked about um, their debut album, um, "Angels Cry," in the archives again. Now more than two years ago, so it's fitting that we come back and we do their second full length release, "Holy Land," which was released on March twenty third, nineteen ninety six.
1: That was I, our our fifth episode. Was yeah, "Angels Cry"? So it's,
0: it's it's been it's been a while. Um, I can't believe that this album, Holy Land came out in 1996. I mean, it's got to be almost 30 years, which is just insane to me.
1: Yeah. Um, it's, it's crazy. This, I I think I was saying to you earlier, um, this was my first Angra album. And frankly, at the time that I got it, there only were two Angra albums that existed anyway, but this was the first, I had this album prior to angels cry. And, uh, I, I also, I know it's definitely my first japanese import but it might just be my first import period um i remember getting the the japanese version i think probably from cd now with the with the obi strip and like i i don't there was something so cool about getting a, a japanese import they had like they had their own liner notes um that were like had everything translated in Japanese. It was just kind of cool. It always a lot of albums would come with stickers and just it was like it felt deluxe, you know. Like all Japanese albums in the '90s for some reason felt deluxe. I have Halloween albums that came with with these like stickers and and it's just it's just cool. And so the, it brings back a lot of memories. But um, you know, as we always talk about that uh, that initial mixtape that that Ralph had made for me, um, Carolina the Fourth was on that tape. And I'll never forget. There was a time where Ralph, um, played that song for me on my front porch with probably Mike was with, with me at the time. And, and I remember Ralph just going like, you have to hear this. I've never heard anything like this in my life. And, and I was like just blown away. It was probably one of the first, uh, power slash progressive metal songs I ever heard. And it was just mind boggling to me at that time. Cause I, didn't really know much of anything. So that always stuck with me. And and that was always Holy Land was always an album. That was something that I wanted to get, like one of the first albums I wanted to get because I was aware of it from that mixtape. So that's kind of what led me to choosing that one over angels cry at the time.
0: And there's, you know, you mentioned the nostalgia, but like having listened to it all week, it really brought me back to that period of like high school for us fireworks their Anger's third album hadn't come out yet when we picked this up um I remember buying a two cd version of Angels Cry and Holy Land it was basically two discs together with the liner notes for each in this like deluxe package and I remember Mike who you just mentioned bought the same thing but for whatever reason the sticker on my album was correct in other words the Holy Land disc Had the Holy Land sticker, but his Holy Land album had the Angels Cry sticker and the Angels Cry album had the Holy Land sticker. So he always was playing the wrong album, which was kind of nuts. It was just, I guess, goes to show you how much time and energy they put into this pressing. But I got to be honest, (laughs) it was so cool to have both albums at once. And I just played them on repeat because I was such a fanatic. For this band and for Andre Matos' vocals, and I guess that hasn't changed 27 years later. But like, I think I picked this up in early 1998, and I just never looked back.
1: Yeah, um, I also recall there being. I think they did another double of the Freedom Call EP along with the the live, the Holy Live. I believe oh, I bought
0: that too. I bought yeah. both of them. Yeah,
1: I had all of them set on separate discs. Um, I forgot what the reason i don't really remember getting the the ep and the live album i just had them uh, i and uh and I, I probably would have bought the holy land angels cry combo if i didn't already have holy land on its own and i remember fireworks was the first album first anger album i got as it was released that was another one i actually ended up getting the japanese pressing on which had the uh the rainy nights bonus track on it um nice. But yeah, it, it, they were one of those bands where like they were fairly new at the time that we were getting into metal because like I said, they only had two albums out by the time we were, uh, you know, made aware of their existence. And like we were getting amped up for their third release, you know, a year later and it would turn out to be the last album that Matos would do with, with Angra. But, uh, I you know, like I had mentioned last week... Um, I, I can't tell you how many times I've had this discussion with people over, you know, is angels cry or Holy land, the, the better Angra album. And, you know, needless to say, um, I know there's people that are big fans of the Edu era and they, they would put rebirth or temple of shadows up with any of the anger releases. So I'm not even going to go there. Like this is going to be a motto centric discussion. Um, I, I I think Fireworks is an under underrated album, but it had the unfortunate duty of following two of maybe the the all-time greatest progressive power metal albums ever. Right. <laughs> and, like I, the band I, like hit a home run twice in a row, which is so unlikely. Um and so I think there's a lot of really good tunes on on Fireworks. There might be there might have been some like some issues within the band, which might be why the album wasn't as cohesive as the first two. Um, but, uh, you know, needless to say, um, you know, I find this on the web. every time, Siri, every time um, <laughs> there, there's, there's always been like this, just, I, I know there's people that would say Holy land's a better album. I know there's people that say angels cry and, and, after going back and looking at our, at the list and seeing that, you know, we had talked about Angel's Cry and we both rated it very high. Uh, a 9.75 uh, average between the two of us, which um, That's is very probably, high. it's probably collectively one of the top three or five albums we've ever talked about. Um, I, I'm pretty sure there's at least one album we both gave tens to. I'm pretty sure the first advantage album was one of them, but um, this is, very up there. And so I thought it would be kind of fun to see where this album would land in comparison to how we rated uh, angels cry. And, and it would be, I thought it'd be interesting to continue the, the, the evergreen discussion of of which album was better or, or if, if one is even better than the other, maybe they're both equal. So I, I, I'm going to put a poll in our Facebook group and I'm going to, let
0: everyone else tell me what their thoughts are because certainly I'll give mine throughout the course of the episode. Uh, But I'm just curious to get everyone else's thoughts and kind of put it to the group um, you know what? I'm going to segue something in here just because I think it's a nice fit. We had talked about a subscription service that we had kind of started a couple of weeks ago. Um, we are pivoting away from that. We have some other ideas which we think will be a little bit better for not only us but for everyone that listens to the podcast. So stay tuned for that, not to hijack the episode, but it was kind of a, a segue when I talked about our Facebook page. Uh, to, to be continued, I think there's some uh, exciting stuff in the future. So I'll just I'll, – I'll shoehorn that in. But I will say, um, Fireworks, definitely underrated. I look forward to actually kind of going back at some point and doing that album. So that might be something to look forward to you know, in the future. Um, but this, this particular album, I, I was immediately transplanted back to, you know, to 1997, 1998 when we first started hearing it. My question for you is, did your opinion of the album change at all this week? vis-a-vis what it has been for decades
1: no not at all (laughs) okay well i didn't
0: know if there was any songs that like all of a sudden popped out for you no because
1: i think i've listened to this album so So consistently and so many times over the years that like nothing really surprised me you know like it it, everything was as fresh as i could ever remember it being no I, i think that's fair Um,
0: let's, you know, I, you know, we spoke about Andre Matos, uh, may he rest in peace, lead vocals, pianos, a lot of the orchestration and keyboards as well. Kiko Lorero, uh, on lead guitar decades before. What did that guy ever do? Yeah. Decades before he would join Megadeth, which was always, um, humorous to me because I just, you know, you, how could you have expected that? Uh, Raphael Bittencourt still with Angra doing, uh, rhythm guitar, backing vocals and, doing most of the songwriting on, on the current stuff. And then you have Luis Mariudi on bass, Ricardo Confessori on, uh, drums, kind of the classic Angra lineup, if you will.
1: Yeah. Um, this is the pre shaman, uh, split, uh, you know, um, Luis and Ricardo and Andre would be the uh, three guys that would leave Angra to create shaman, leaving Kiko and, and Raphael behind to kind of continue on doing Angra. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the the lineup that uh, that you know we grew up with. Um, it's the same, uh, the same, pretty much the same lineup as Angels Cry, with the exception of of the drums, which I believe were done by Alex Holsworth um, for Angels Cry, and then uh, Thomas Knack did the drums for Wuthering Heights. Um, but I think um, uh, Ricardo would become, I think, the first full-time Angra drummer in, in their album era. I think they had maybe during the demo times. I, I had just saw a story about how um, uh, the producer basically told them, um, lose this guy or I'm not doing Angel's Cry. Like, you need to get Alex Holsworth or somebody. Like He just didn't think that the drummer, uh, his name was Marcos uh, Antunes. He didn't think that he would be able to handle uh, the complexity of what would happen, and and he literally said, um, fire him and hire Alex Holsworth, or use electronic drums, or uh, and it was Charlie Bauerfind who said this. Charlie Bauerfind would leave the project, and Charlie would go on to um, have a hand in this Holy Land album as well, along with Sasha Paith. It was kind of like a, a magic production combo uh, there, but so. Um, I don't know the 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 details of how uh, Ricardo uh ended up joining the band but you know he would he would be their drummer for this and and Fireworks as well.
0: Yeah, well said. And uh, one thing I learned and I did not know this really. I mean, I I always thought that there were themes that kind of tied this album together, but they actually consider it a concept album and I guess to no surprise to anyone that's heard it, it's really centered on like kind of the Brazilian land i guess we'll say at the time of the 16th century and it's kind of like the the you know the explorers of the old world you know kind of stumbling upon this this land and the colonization by the portuguese i i knew that it had the seafaring elements to it i didn't realize it was actually considered a concept album but when i heard that i thought it was pretty
2: cool
1: yeah i mean i always got the i always got the feeling that carolina the fourth was a story in and of itself, but I guess it's part of, you know, a a grander overall thing. I, I, it's, there's, I, one of the things that I think definitely sets this album apart from angels cry is the addition of more, um, folk elements like folk instruments. Um, it just has more of a, a kind of a Brazilian kind of flair to it. Whereas I think angels cry was more of a straightforward power metal record. This has more progressive elements, more folk elements. It's a little bit, uh, it's a little bit deeper and a little bit um, uh, more dense than, than angels cry. Um, and a marked improvement in
0: production. Yes, like, absolutely. Like um, one thing I will never argue is that the production on angels cry was Okay maybe good, but the production on this album is fantastic. And and so much so that it actually holds up well all these years later compared to other kind of more modern sounding, uh, power metal albums or progressive power metal albums. This, the mix on this album, I always thought was fantastic. And you could argue it may be the best sounding Angra album. Maybe some of the you do albums are, are, are up there, but this is close. And, you know, I think back to, um, I guess it was Aqua, right? Like that that album that came out, like with Edu. I think it was his last album with the band, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it was. Uh, uh, that album had, or, and, and the album even before that, Aurora Concertions. Those albums didn't have the greatest production, but this blows it out of the water, and it came out a decade prior.
1: Was it as good as the production on the Rebirth Live uh, album? <laughs> that
0: may be the single worst sounding music release I've. Ever heard? I don't (laughs) understand that. anger does a lot of things well. Live albums not their forte. I don't know if anyone's ever heard that live album. It is terrible. And then they really you talked about Holy Live earlier, which is fantastic, but it has four songs. So like, I don't know. Like they they should have released a full Mato set, as far as I'm concerned.
1: Oh, that was such a like it was such a disappointment. Not that we bought it expecting. We knew, we knew what was knew on the it tracks when were we bought it. it. Right, right. But, um, yeah, like, that could have been... It, it, it reminds me a lot of uh, Halloween's Live in the UK slash I Want Out Live slash uh, Keepers Live. It had, like, three different uh, names depending on what country you bought it in. But where's the rest of the songs? Like, they played a full set, but they only put six songs on that album. Seven, I think, on certain ones you can get Rise and Fall. Um and on this this on this version it came out the year after Holy Land it has 6 tracks on it and two of them are intros like there, two of them are like intro tracks one of them is the intro to nothing to say and the other is the intro to carry on so like literally four full length songs granted one of them's Carolina the 4th which is you know a pretty meaty song but still i mean they could kind have of, Throw through us a few more bones. I mean, that, that was uh disappointing you, that it could. Because you're right, it did actually sound really good. It yes. just was like hella short. I mean, definitely post production there. But like,
0: if they if the goal was to leave the listener wanting more, they 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 met their goal. If the leaf if the goal was to leave the sister- listener satisfied. I would disagree. But again, Angra not, not the best when it comes to live albums, although their Blu-ray is, is phenomenal and so they're trending in the right direction. Yeah, but third
1: time's a charm, I guess. Yeah,
0: exactly. But let's 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 get into it. Um this album opens up with a two minute instrumental called Crossing, and really it does kind of set the stage uh for for the rest of the album, but For me, I I only think of one thing when I think of this song. Can you guess what it is? Animal Safari. Eugene's Animal Safari. And for 99.9999% of the planet, that means nothing. And we're going to leave it that way because some things are just better left unsaid. But I know, you know. If you know, you know. And if you don't know, keep scratching your head. Shout out to Eugene. Shout
1: shout out to Eugene. Um, I want to read you the set list. Of what Angro was playing in 1996 at a live show, you're you're gonna cry. Um, but uh, nothing to say to open it up. Followed by Zito, Streets of Tomorrow, Silence and Distance, Angels Cry, Holy Land, The Shaman, Carolina the Fourth, Time, Evil Warning, Reaching Horizons, Make Believe, Carry On, and then they finished with Two Jews Priest covers, Painkiller, and Living After Midnight.
0: <laughs> if there is anyone listening to this podcast that has a solid recording of Angora during this period, doesn't have to be a video, could be an audio recording, doesn't have to be soundboard. I would be very, very interested in obtaining a copy. So please drop us a DM, drop us a Facebook message.
1: But that set list is just unbelievable. But that's That's my whole point though is like – that's what they could have made a, a live album of it could have been a double live I mean who wouldn't have bought that but uh, I don't know it was a different time like live albums weren't as much of a a, a commodity in the mid 90s um, I, I want to say like Stradivarius' visions of Europe was one of the first metal live albums I remember buying and being excited about uh, its release um, I, I, because I, I felt like high live by Halloween as well I felt like for a good live album, it had to be at least two discs because a set a, a full set list is going to be longer than eighty minutes. Um, so I know a Manowar came out with two double disc live albums in, around this time. So this was just kind of like I don't know. I don't mean to harp on it. It's just like it, it just there was potential for so much more. I don't disagree with any of that, um, but short of short
0: of Eugene's Animal Safari, the the first main track here. Is, is nothing to say, which is really just a power metal classic at this point. And although there are definitely prod tendencies on the disc, nothing to say is kind of just your uh, souped up, kind of ethnic sending, sounding power metal tune. And it's just an absolute classic. Um, honestly, I think I used to play this song so much that it, it's one of the songs that I don't love as much as I used to, even though it's still perfect, just because I played... This song constantly um so it's a little bit unremarkable but at the same time um if if i had a song of the week in 1998 this would have definitely been it and the fact that they use like different woodwind instruments and different sounds throughout this like pipes and stuff like that what can what what can't be said about this And, and it's blistering fast and catchy and just like the perfect introduction to the band
1: yeah it's uh the same way that carry on kicks off uh, angels cry like this is another just like real banger like it's just uh it's fast it's 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 catchy it, it, it's it got the hooks it's got the it's got a little bit of the um like you said the a little bit of the the folk instruments just a touch of it just to kind of ease you into it because it's gonna you're gonna hear a lot more of that going forward. Um, this one, this is a little bit more of a straightforward power metal song, but hot damn, like it just really kicks things off and, and really gets things rolling. And um, you, you're you're gonna there's um, very much like very similar to carry on. There's like very uh, a very orchestral. Um, Section towards the end after the guitar solos and everything before it kicks back to the final, uh, the final verse into the final chorus. Um, very, it's like Angra's kind of showing that this is like their their uh, quintessential opening track to their albums and um, fireworks would be no different with wings of reality opening up arguably one of the best songs on that album. Um, Just three albums in a row. Hell, even going into, uh, you know, rebirth Nova era. Um, Just that's their opening track. There's always a, there's almost always uh, some sort of instrumental intro fireworks didn't have one, but the other three albums did. And this was no different. I mean, crossing just kind of, Sets you up, and then and then it kicks in, and it's just a real ass kicking song. And same with me. If this was nineteen ninety six or ninety seven, this probably would have been my song of the week. But uh, I'm going to go in a different direction. So as as but. am I. Um,
0: I'll just say one other thing about it: the the the, the, this, the production and the sound of the drums is just so cool on this album, and it this it it, it shows up in nothing to say, and it kind of permeates the rest of the disc. Um, but let's let's get into Silence and Distance. Talk to me about that and, and some of your thoughts on this track.
1: Yeah, this is one where, like, I love how... So you just came you just came off with of this, like, real ass kicker in Nothing to Say. And then this song kind of s- starts out and it's... You think, oh, is this a ballad already? Are right, we getting to, my, like... Are we getting to the, the soft... and
0: a piano. I mean, the soft, that's...
1: The soft side, the softer side of Angra. But then... Um, about a minute and a half into to it, it starts to build, and it builds and it builds and it builds, and it and it turns into this really catchy and fast paced, just great, great song, um, super memorable uh, chorus. Um, this is one of the best songs on the album. It's one of my favorite Anger songs, um, and. Please don't let me forget to talk about when the band played this entire album live at Prague Power because that was a really cool experience, albeit with a very different uh, lineup. Um, But uh, yeah, this this is like one of those songs that I sometimes forget a little bit about because I always think about how the beginning of it is just kind of understated and, and it catches you off guard. But then once it gets rolling, whew, it, it's a, it's, it's a really great song. And this was uh, one of the songs that Andre Matos um, wrote uh, by himself. So this, the, the dichotomy between that beginning Matos and a
0: piano sound and what this ultimately turns into, which is this like really ethnic jungle sounding mid paced tune is absolutely fantastic and no song on this album has grown on me more than this one uh it's something that i don't know that i appreciated as much 25 years ago and now it's up there with my favorite songs on the album and and i enjoyed it so much this week that it's going to be my song of the week let's give it a let's give it a listen and then i'll say a couple of other things about it
1: yeah excellent
2: but lost in your
0: This this song has something that I've never heard on a power metal album, and that's a freaking trumpet solo. There is a trumpet solo on this song, and the way it ends with Matos and the piano again, which is like kind of how it starts, like that high the uh, that parabolic arc to this song. Absolutely fantastic, and if if sixteen year old me didn't appreciate it. I have a lot more of an appreciation for it now. I just absolutely love this tune.
1: Yeah, this is like again. It, it's I think because it was sandwiched in between nothing to say and Carolina the Fourth, yeah. which are like the ones that I think were so they hit you over the head like when you first hear the album. So it kind of gets lost in between. But yeah, like I I, I was saying to you uh, earlier, like this I, I was gonna choose this also, but being that you chose it first and there should be a clip of, from at least two songs from this album. I'll pick something else, but, uh, yeah, just a damn good song. And I think that it's only gotten better with, with time. And, uh, I I think it's arguably an underrated song. I mean, I don't know like how an Angra song would be overrated because it's a, the band is Angra and they're not exactly like, you know, knocking down doors throughout the world, um, which is a shame, but, uh, it just, it is what it is. But, um, it, it's just a really fantastic song, and then it goes into this ten minute, ten and a half minute epic, "Carolina the Fourth, which, of all the songs that I should be sick of by now on this right. album, I, I look forward to hearing this song every time I turn it on. After the god knows how many times I've heard it over the years, it's still, it, it takes me back to being in high school and just being absolutely blown away by this new genre of music uh, and Angra in particular. Um, I mean, just, there was not, just nothing. I mean, I don't, even all these years later, I don't, can't think of that many things that sound like this even now with, well, you it's know, fu- I'm 30 glad years of hindsight. This
0: album was so influential that there were at least two bands that I know of that literally based their sound on this album, and I happen to both be Brazilian bands, but that makes me think of um, Tierra Mystica and Aquaria, both of whom, like, were clearly influenced by by this album in particular. Um, but going back to Carolina the Fourth, if 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 nothing to say was my song of the week in 1998, by 2000, Carolina the Fourth was my song of the week, right? Like it was, but by, by Two years of listening to this album on absolute repeat, it just brought me back to like senior year of high school and even the beginning of college. What an epic! And this is, like I said, of all the songs, I think the one that maybe portrays the story the, the best. And you just feel like you're a 16th century explorer on the high seas, and there's nothing better than that. From the drum intro to that riff that kicks it off, and then the bla- how it just kind of goes off the rails about two and a half minutes in, it's just a phenomenal track. Um, it may be my favorite track live. When we saw this, and I'll I'll shoehorn this in as well, we saw this entire album performed by Fabio Leone and He's basically Raphael and a bunch of other people that filled in on the other instruments. And it was phenomenal. But I just lost my mind during this track because I couldn't believe that I was getting to hear he, it you know, live.
1: Kiko was still in the band, I think, That's at the true. time, yes. wasn't he, he?
0: That was right before, I think, he went to Megadeth. I mean, it may have been his last show with the band. To
1: be yeah, honest. there might have been a little bit of overlap. Um, but I know he... I know he stuck around with Anger for a little while after he dropped negative, negative, but yeah, and this. But, this but the next one time we lyrics. saw them, he was no longer with the band.
0: That's right. That's right. And quite frankly, there's even a bass solo on this track. So we go from a trumpet solo on the last track to a bass <laughs> solo on this track. Of all the songs that are ten minutes, this does not. feel – I mean, this feels like a four-minute song, but it's crammed into ten and a half minutes.
1: Yeah, it's um, it, you know it starts out with kind of this this um you know mid-tempo uh. Folky kind of beginning, but then there's a whole section in the middle that's like just a a straight up like power metal tune with a little bit of of folk elements to it. Then the middle of it starts to get like more more of the folky elements. It slows down, it speeds up. It's it it it's it's never boring though. Like it's there's these amazing orchestrations. Um, it, it there's there's so much crammed into this song that. It's, it's a wonder that it's not any longer than 10 and a half minutes. It really is just a, a phenomenal, phenomenal track. And uh, it, it does have the, uh, the distinction of being on that very first uh, playlist or, or, or mixtape, I should say. Now it's a playlist. Um, and it was... Uh, it was right in between Fate's Warnings, Monument, and Halloween's Light in the Sky uh, on, on the on the on the first. It was the end of the first side of the tape. Um, surprised uh, it wasn't it,
0: the entire it, side of the tape at ten and a half minutes.
1: Yeah, I mean it's to the point where when I hear the end of Monument, I expect Carolina the Fourth to start <laughs> playing, which makes absolutely no sense to anybody else in the world. <laughs> and then when Carolina the Fourth ends, I expect light in the sky which is one of probably the least known halloween songs ever um i think ralph put it at the end of side b because it was a short song it's only two and a half minutes i think he needed something to fill out the back end and he happened to have the forever in one single and so he and it's a great song i mean don't get me wrong it's it's a it's kind of a little bit of a preview of what andy darris's solo album would be like but um It's, it's, and then you flip to, and I remember you flip to side B and and it opens with Chance by Sabotage. Like it's, it was masterful tape making by Ralph Malillo.
0: (laughs) You know, credit where credit is due. Um, What's interesting to me is as perfect as this album is at through the end of Carolina the Fourth, it couldn't stay perfect. And I'm not saying that Holy Land is a bad song, which is the next track, it's fantastic. But to me, it's just a tick one step below these three A-plus Grand Slam gems that come behind it. This one, you're not so much on the high seas, you're kind of back in the rainforest for, for Holy Land, and it's got this really simple piano intro, but it's an awesome contrast to the pipes that are kind of behind it, if you will. This one is another song where it starts off like a ballad and then opens up to this kind of slightly repetitive but still enjoyable uh, tune it's hard for me to describe this one because it's so different sounding, um, and as much as I like the track and I've always thought it was an underrated song, it just is not as much of an impact player as the songs that come before it.
1: I, I will let Lance Storm know that you you said <laughs> that. Um, uh, yeah, I I kind of agree. I remember I don't know why I put this was one of the first songs after Carolina the Fourth that I put on one of my early mixtapes because I just thought it was so interesting just because like, it's such a contrast to Carolina the fourth, first of all. Um, but again, like the orchestrations, the, the full, the Brazilian folk instruments, like it's just a really like cool song. Like nothing else sounds like this. And I think this and the following track, the shaman both really shine as far as, um, Having that kind of, um, just having that Brazilian sound that really set anger apart from every other power metal band at that time. Yep. There was no mistaking, like, Stradivarius wasn't making a song that sounded like this, or The Shaman, Halloween wasn't, Hammerfall wasn't, like, this was like anger was just really doing something that was so original. Um, and it's I agree it's not as it's not as strong of a song as the previous three but i I also think that like it is perfect for this album because it's it really just um spotlights what this album is all about and what sets it apart from from the angels cry album which like i said before is more of a straightforward power metal album this is really showing a different side of the band and, and it, it, it pops its head up at different times during Angra's history where they focus more on the folk elements than other times. Um, I feel like Fireworks, it wasn't as prominent, not nearly as much as this album, but then maybe it shows up later on in later albums. Um, I'll, I'll admit I don't know those the, the albums after Rebirth nearly as well as I know the first four Angra albums. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's just, it's a cool song. It's just not like, it's not like super memorable, like the first three, but it's really cool. And I feel like the Shaman kind of is in that same kind of boat for me. It's a different type of song. Um, yeah. But it's, it's also, I also find that it's it's a little bit, it's a shade underneath the uh, those first three.
0: I I think the Shaman is a song that I've really come to um, enjoy more in my later years It's almost proggy in its approach. It kind of starts off with this like dark magic feel to it. And then it gets kind of really not only ethnic sounding, but just proggy. And just, I guess, having played the album so many times, I I gravitate towards some of these quote unquote lesser popular songs. Um, It's surprisingly heavy in certain spots for, you know, this album. And not only that, there's other elements here that really pop which like the backing vocals on the shaman fantastic and they really i think it really lends itself to um a nice compliment to andre's lead vocals i have one knock on the song and that's kind of this extended instrumental section where things just quiet down and almost to the point where it loses view a bit but they recover nicely and it kind of goes right back into this awesome guitar solo so all in all a really interesting and unique track because as you said nothing sounded like this in 1996 nothing
1: yeah, like the the whole part with the the kind of the speech parts or whatever, mm-hmm. it, it kind of like takes you out of the song because the song is like it's really powerful to kick off. Like Matos's vocals come in like really strong here, um, and and I I always thought that the um just that o- that opening riff is one of the most memorable ones on the album. Mm-hmm. But I think that the the where it tries to go into that again, like that folkier direction. It almost like it almost stops the song dead in its tracks and then it kicks back in again. And maybe that's maybe my only knock on the song. I feel like maybe I would have liked it more if it felt more cohesive all the way through, but obviously it's part of the, the story, you know, the storytelling aspect of it. But um, I remember, hearing this song, this song really stood out to me when I first heard the album, just because the way it just starts out really strong, you know, like, you're like, Oh, yeah, here we go. Um, So I think it's I I like it a, a bit more than Holy Land, but not as much as those first three songs, I would place it somewhere in between. Well, it you come back with a song that starts off like a ballad,
0: and kind of stays a power ballad throughout throughout the whole song. And for my money, make-believe very well may be Andre Matos' finest performance on an album. This is one of my all-time favorites. And by around 2006, that's my song of the week. So like you can see the evolution <laughs> as I kind of walk you through this. The epic build on this song with just the way each chorus comes in just a little bit heavier and a little bit more uh, powerful than the last is absolutely amazing. And I will never forget a story for, for this song I've mentioned in the past that back in the nineties I had played certain or I'd sent away for certain videos on eBay which were VHS compilations of music videos that we oh, just I was didn't... hoping
1: I was hoping you were gonna talk about this music video. Well
0: I am because I remember the first time I saw it was on a VHS cassette as a surprise. It just happened to be on there and it all of a sudden in the MTV font it said Angra, make believe holy land and i'm like what the hell is this because again this is before youtube where i could just go on and kind of check out you know anything that was out there and it would be on this on on youtube this video starts and it is one of the creepiest videos i think (laughs) i've ever seen in my entire life but i was so enamored by the fact that i was watching angra with the mtv font that i i couldn't get enough of it it was incredible to me and um I'm sure it's on a power hour somewhere, if not on multiple power hours. But what a beautiful song, video notwithstanding. So
1: this was on one of the very first power hours that I ever made when I was in college. It is, uh, I will tell you exactly, it was on volume two. Um, and it again, same thing, just seeing the MTV font with the logo. I'm sure it was MTV Brazil, but I mean, whatever. Um, and I will never forget the reaction from Knobs and Matt when they saw that video, because, you know, it, it's, they're hearing all this music that's very familiar to them. And then all of a sudden this video comes on and they, you know, they don't know what to make of it. Like, you know, they just had heard guns and roses, paradise city, red hot chili peppers under the bridge. Billy Joel's "We Didn't Start the Fire," and then and then all of a sudden, de, de, a bunch of de, like demonic angels are eating some old man. <laughs> <laughs> we, we just we have to post this video this week because if you've never seen it before, it's like it's one of Anger's only like really overproduced music videos that isn't just a simple you know band on a green screen kind of thing. Like they kind of went all out on this video and, and boy, I, what a, what a direction they chose to go with it. It's hard for me to listen to the song and not picture the video, but um, it is a really, really, really excellent song. Um, I want to say it was, uh, was there a single? Was it like this, the one single for the album? Um, not uh, sure. Not
0: sure about that, but I do know that it was the one video that they made for the album. As far as I know, and uh, the fact that it got some play on MTV must tell you something about what they thought of the song.
1: Yeah, uh, it's just a really good tune. It's probably the—I mean, if you don't count Lullaby for Lucifer, it's probably the balladiest uh, album. Um, there's some—there's oh, really Deep blue, cool... I think,
0: but we'll—we'll we'll get there. Oh, right,
1: of course. Um, there's some like cool organ parts. Um, Just—it's a—it's 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 a really good tune. It's just hard to get that video out of my head whenever I hear it. I'm I'm still having second thoughts about ever seeing it, but it was really cool at the time. Um,
0: and then we get to Z-I-T-O, not to be confused with the San Francisco pitcher, Barry Zito, but this song makes me think of you because you had this on one of your tapes and I played it over and over and over again. And believe it or not, my sister used to play your tape. So I used to hear this song on double time because I had it in a V, in a, uh tape recorder that i had in my basement at my parents house back in the day and th- this song in particular was on that mixtape and i used to play it over and over again and i gotta be honest with you for another like really fast banger of a tune this song never gets talked about in the pantheon of great anger tunes and i don't understand why um i have no idea what the name stands for i have no idea why it doesn't get the the love but i remember being so excited to see this live because you know you mentioned how they played it on the holy land tour i don't think they played it again after that tour because i've seen set works from the fireworks tour and they did not play this song so it is just an absolute banger of a tune and let me tell you something an absolute guitar clinic on an album that features two of the world's greatest guitar players that kind of take a back seat to other stuff on this album. It's their, their prominence, their, um, the guitar playing on angels cry is much more, uh, of a driving force behind the album. Whereas on this, it kind of takes a back seat in places, but not on Zito. This track features some of the best guitar work you'll ever hear.
1: Yeah. I'm sure there was a time in my life that this was my favorite Angra song period. Um, they actually re-recorded it. Uh, it's a bonus track on Omni. Uh, they have a, a version, uh, a studio re-recording with uh, Fabio Leone doing vocals, um, which is really good. But um, you know, the Matos version is just the the ultimate. And uh, I know which tape you're referring to. It was my my the fourth. Technically, I I, I my first mixtape was kind of a recreation of Ralph's original one. So uh, this was volume 4 um, and it was uh it was it was sandwiched in between uh, warriors by sabotage and Yitzi jam by dream theater um, who had that bingo card yeah a couple of 80s classics there and uh, nothing to say was uh on the side b of that same tape um, that was uh i remember that tape um i gave that uh, out to you guys as a christmas gift in 1998 um so don't ask me how I remember that. but well, uh,
0: it, it got heavy rotation in my house, and, and the song just reminds me of you. And it's like oddly uplifting to me just because I think – I don't know why. There's something uplifting about that one particular tune. And then we do a 180, and we go into Deep Blue. And I remember you shooting you a message this week and just saying – well, I don't, or if I didn't, I, I had every intention to. I have some real thoughts about Deep Blue, but I'm going to let you lead the way on this one.
1: Yeah, I love this song. I absolutely love this song. I, I had made a um, – I'm, I'm sure I've mentioned this before. I, I'm going to – I have to share these mixes that I made back in the day, but um, I used to really enjoy listening to uh, music as I would fall asleep at night, and, and a song like Z-I-T-O is not really conducive to falling asleep. No. Uh, <laughs> and so I, I what I would do is I ended up making two um, – two playlists called the just mellow mellow metal mix and on uh, volume one the very first track is deep blue it's the um the edit version from the freedom call ep uh just for time's sake it's a it's about two minutes shorter or so but i just think this is one of the most calming beautiful um it's just such a lovely lovely song mato sounds amazing um It's got strings. The orchestrations are fantastic. It's just, I don't know. I think it's a really emotionally, um, really emotional song. I, I, I kind of forgot that the, the album version is a little bit longer and there's kind of parts of it that maybe it drags. I'm guessing that's going to be your, um, comment, your, your, uh. Criticism, um, but I I really love this song and I always have, and I think it's really beautiful. And it was a song I don't think I appreciated until a, f- a few years after the album had come out. But um, my one thing that I will say though is that I don't love it as the last like long song on the album. Like Lullaby for Lucifer for me always kind of felt like an outro. Even though me it's completely. almost yeah, even though it's almost a three-minute song, it it doesn't feel like a full-length, like meaty kind of anger song. And I'm gonna kind of I'm gonna tell you how I thought this album should have been made when we get towards the end here. But this is not to me like the best choice for the last full-length song on the album. But I guess it kind of makes sense because on Angels Cry you had um you had a uh, lasting child and things, which was kind of a, a long ballad and this is kind of similar but um i just have a feeling that uh based on some conversation we had this week that i am uh, a bigger fan of this song than you are
0: you are and you kind of hit the nail on the head it's a little long in the tooth and for some reason i don't know that i've ever really appreciated it so it is probably the biggest knock on the album not that it's bad it's just a little bit long in the tooth and as a result i honestly i don't think there's a single dead spot on all of angels cry and that's why i prefer the album although i recognize that there are elements here that are better than angels cry so it's kind of interesting in that regard but at the same time i would be lying to you and i did not tell you this part of all the songs that have been stuck in my head all week I have been finding myself singing deep blue in the shower, on the train, on the subway when I'm walking to for lunch, like I've had this song stuck in my head, and every time I realize what I'm singing, I'm like, oh man, that was deep blue again like, I couldn't believe it. so like <laughs> it it definitely leaves a lasting impression. but then to go right into lullaby for Lucifer, which again, like you said, it's kind of an outro track and it just reminds me if you close your eyes of a guy, Sitting in a folding chair on the beach with an acoustic guitar, with the seagulls around, that's la- that's lullaby for Lucifer. And it's kind I'm, of I eye- can
1: picture. I'm picturing Raphael Bittencourt literally doing just that, like just literally I, him doing it.
0: Yeah, with the seagulls behind him and the and the guitar in front of him. It was.
1: And- I always, even to this day, I find it to be the strangest way to end this album. Um, uh, so, just kind of circling back to Deep Blue, like. In the dead center of the song, the song just kind of—and again, this is kind of a, a, something that Angra does on this album, where like on the Shaman is very similar, where the song just kind of stops, and you have these um, real, very like orchestral and dramatic parts, and then it just kicks right back into the song. It's almost like this this interlude in the middle of the song, whereas if you ever listen to the edit version on the freedom call EP, that whole part is completely cut out. And so you might enjoy that version better because it's more to the point. Yes. I I think Um, I do, to be honest with you. Yeah. But, um, it's, it's, I love it. I think it's a great song. Lullaby for Lucifer was something I was hoping I would feel something different towards listening to it again. But still to me, it's, it's just kind of like, it's there. It's, um, it's kind of anticlimactic to end the album that way. And so the way that I listened to this album is I tacked three extra songs onto the back end. I was going to say, you
0: haven't, you haven't named the song of the week. I know. Right? And there's
1: a reason for that. Um, so I, I tacked on, I, so like I mentioned before, I had the Japanese version of this album. So I had the bonus track queen of the night, which was, um, I believe a song that appeared on the, uh, the demo that the band recorded i believe it's called eyes of christ that came out didn't come out it was just a demo but it was it was created the year before this album was released um, there's a remixed version of it on the um, the freedom call ep this this the version on the japanese holy land version is a little bit different there's less orchestrations at the beginning of the song it's a little more just straight power metal, straight guitar, drums, that kind of thing. And then I also added the songs Freedom Call and Reaching Horizons, which were also uh, studio tracks that were on the Freedom Call EP that just were not on um, Holy Land for whatever reason. I mean, even if you look at the cover art for Freedom Call, it looks like it's this corollary, to Holy Land, Almost it came like a out companion the, piece, yeah. It came out the same year. Um, it features the song Freedom Call, the remix of Queen of the Night, Reaching Horizons, and then there's an orchestral version of Stand Away, a version of uh, a cover of Painkiller, which uh, is really, really excellent a really excellent cover of Judas Priest's song, and um, and then the edited version of Deep Blue that I mentioned earlier. So I tacked on, um Queen of the Night, Freedom Call, and Reaching Horizons. These three tracks to the uh, to the end of my Holy Land listening experience. And I got to tell you, had they made these these three songs, if they added them to this album, I mean, maybe it would have been a little bit long winded, but I think that it would have ended in a more satisfying way. Um, I'm not when I tell you my ranking or my rating for the album; it's not going to be including these three songs it's going to be the album proper but i think that i would have rated the album higher which i guess gives away that i'm not going to give it a 10 but uh, i would have rated the album higher maybe it would have been a 10 Mm. if um if these three tracks were part of it i mean freedom call i could take or leave but i think queen of the night and reaching horizons are two really really good songs and it's kind of surprising that neither of them were on a proper full-length anger album
0: yeah, of these three tracks, I think that they have two phenomenal songs and then Freedom Call. I'll talk about that first just because we're kind of I'll just kind of lump them together and we'll we'll talk about them. Freedom Call is just not nothing to say or ZITO. It's like that the third of like the kind of the faster tracks or whatever. I never thought it was a great song. I thought it had its moments, but other than the guitar solo it's just kind of pedestrian. And I do wonder if the German power metal band got its name from this song. That That is something I've always wondered. And if I see Chris Bay this week, I will certainly ask him that very question. But I digress. Queen of the Night is a phenomenal track. I mean, an absolutely outstanding track and wildly underrated. This is a song that kind of has a Viper vibe to it. And for those that don't know... Viper was Andre Matos's band prior to Angra. That's kind of where they plucked him from. This song always had that kind of a vibe to me, and I don't know why exactly. It's a bit experimental in places, but then it builds up to this grand crescendo, and I just absolutely think it's a phenomenal, phenomenal song. And Reaching Horizons is another really, really early Angra song that was done just so well for for this, you know, redone for this time period. I love the acoustic guitar passages. Um, and then there's these other sections as well um, that just the guitar work is just second to none. I, I don't love the chorus so much. That would be the one knock on it. Um, but I do think it's up there with some of the other Holy Land material by and large.
1: I, whenever I think of queen of the night, I just think of that part at the beginning within the, like right before the minute, the first minute of the song where Matos just does that, that oh, oh, like with yeah. his voice. <laughs> I don't even think I could hit that note, but um, I, it always cracked me up because it was just kind of like, I felt like that was him showing off a little bit of like what, what an amazing vocalist he was. Um, I agree with you. Freedom call. I feel like just, doesn't have a hook to it like all these other songs have like a hook that hooks you in even the ballads and this one it's a solid song like any other band does it and you're like wow what a great song but like it's arguably of every song we've talked about it's probably my least favorite one on um on holy land or or holy land adjacent releases but the reason that i've been dragging out this whole song of the week thing is because the song I was looking forward to hearing the most this week, I, it dawns on me that it's not even on the damn album, and it's it's reaching horizons. So wow. you know what? I was told that I'm a highly successful podcaster and I can <laughs> do whatever I want and make my own rules, so I'm going to. Um, this is obviously not my favorite song from Holy Land because it's not on Holy Land, but it's a nice song of the week, <laughs> um, Reaching Horizons, and uh, I, I'm going to carefully choose a minute of it, and then when we get back, I will, uh, sing its praises.
0: You, you've done the impossible. You have raved about an album for the last hour and you've selected a B-side or should say you've selected a song of the week that is a B-side that doesn't even appear on the album. So congratulations. I am very eager to hear what your score of this album is, but please sing, sing the praises of Reaches Horizon, Reaching Horizon.
1: Well, you know, it, it, it starts off like really kind of unassuming. It's just this acoustic it's it's not terribly different from the from lullaby for lucifer but let me tell you something when angra wants to build and build and build and create a crescendo i don't know that anybody does it better the way that they build it's almost to a dramatic effect and so it picks up and it starts to get a little bit more dramatic and then it slows down again and then we get to about the 3 minute and 20 second part which is probably where i'm going to choose the clip from and between the the organ sound and matos doing what i would say is arguably his finest vocal performance i've ever heard it's just, the way this song ends is just so out of this world i this should have been the last song on holy land it really should have been um just to just to kind of uh, take the heat off of how ridiculous it is that i chose a song <laughs> that's not even on the album i will say that i like i said before like i probably would have picked silence and distance anyway so rather than just us having the same song of the week here's another song you get to listen to that just doesn't happen to be on the album but jesus christ (laughs) go listen to this song if you're gonna listen to holy land it's i just think it's so good it's like this this just lost gem i'm wondering if they've ever even played it live it's it's just a wonderful wonderful song and matos is just Incredible the way that this song just builds and then pulls back and then builds and builds and builds, it's just really fantastic. And I, again, I really should have been. I think Queen of the Night and this especially should have been included on this album. And you could have just thrown the song Freedom Call in between just to break it up a little bit, but I, it makes to me, it makes the album just feel a lot more full. Um. So yeah, that's a little bit of my outside of the box uh thinking, but you know, so it's, it's it's our podcast, so I do what I want.
0: How can I argue with that logic? Um, a classic that still holds up, an album that, quite frankly, had it come out last year, would have been so far ahead of everything else that it, I mean, it's just it's just an yeah. So, sorry,
1: Dragonland, but Justin's right. <laughs> So I'm
0: you know, I I I think that they would be the first to admit it. But that being said, scale of one to ten, what are you giving this album?
1: Yeah, so like I said, like I I can't give it a ten. Um so in the grand Angels Cry versus Holy Land argument, I I I put Angels Cry ahead, but only ever so slightly. I mean, this album really is start to finish amazing incredible beautiful like you said it production wise it sounds better than angels cry it's denser there's more elements that i think really make angra stick out that angels cry didn't have the difference for me and the reason i gave angels cry 10 at the time and my reasoning for it and why i stand by it is because every single song on angels cry is a great to excellent song there is no not even a song where it's just good like every song at least to me is um is just a great great song and to me like that's the epitome of that's how you get a 10 i don't give a lot of albums a 10 that said
0: in fact, you probably is, could have done three Celtic Frost albums and not gotten to a six. So I guess uh, I, that's, that's how hard that's it is true. to attend. Like
1: my my, if we do another Celtic Frost album, my song of the week is going to be "Reaching Horizons." <laughs> but um, I I what I will say is that I think that the difference between uh, one of the differences between this and Angels Cry is that I think Holy Land as an album is greater than the sum of its parts in in the sense that like. As a whole album, it just because it's a concept album and because there's so many different types of songs, um, it it just really comes together and is great. Just it's just the problem is that it has to follow Angels Cry, which to me is like a thankless job that it was impossible to follow. I mean, so. I, I'm giving it a nine point seven five. I mean, it's it's as close to perfect without being perfect, um, but it's still one of my all time favorite albums. It's one of my um, it's definitely one of my favorite anger albums, but it's also just one of my favorite metal albums. One of my favorite albums. It was an absolute pleasure getting to re listen to it and tacking on some of those extra tracks. I think even added to the experience. And while that doesn't um, that doesn't add or detract from my score uh it was just kind of a nice experience adding those to that so you gave angels cry a 9.5 so where does holy land get ranked in in that comparison i'm very this is almost the whole reason i chose this was to see where you would land because um i think i kind of knew going into this that i wasn't going to give this album a 10 um even though I knew it would be close. Um, but I'm curious, since you were at a 9.5, does this, is this also a 9.5? Is it under, over? Where, where are you at? I've been thinking about the
0: answer to this question ever since you picked the album. <laughs> and then my answer, which I kind of thought about earlier in the week, was reinforced by listening to it over and over. And the score that I'm going to give it is in fact a 9.5. But... Before you say, oh, it's a cop-out, it's the same score, I want you to hear me out. This, the album merits the score. I prefer between the two 9.5s, Angels Cry. In other words, the album is worth a 9.5. There's no question about it. Between the production, the difference between a lot of these tunes, etc., it's a damn near perfect album. But if you're asking me what my preference is, which one I would probably listen to tomorrow? I'd probably go with Angels Cry, but it's you're splitting hairs because it's like it's it's like asking somebody you know what do you like better Uh, you know whatever I can't the analogy not coming to me but the fact of the matter is like it's you're splitting hairs because on any given day each of these will satisfy everything I want to listen to.
1: Yeah, I think about. Buying these two albums together, like what a like, that's what I did, and then I know it just to them over, that's why and, I br- and, over that, and over again. That's why I bring it up. It's like, yeah, can you think of two albums packaged together that are just that strong. I mean, that it's yeah, maybe I, the keepers
0: I, like put the yeah. keepers on the one when you but 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 again, you're, you're in rarefied air, so great choice. We got to do an edu album, we got to do fireworks. We can skip the live album it'll it, it, lots of anger i think left in the tank the,
1: the, pro- the problem with these two albums for me is that the to me the band never got back to anything this good and not that that's not really a a, a a knock it's just when you start out with albums that strong it's like how the hell do you uh, I mean, they to me they couldn't even follow up "Angels Cry" with a, a, a better album, as close as it, it was. Um, I think Nova Era is really close. Many would
0: argue "Temple of Shadows" is better. I, I, I wouldn't, but it's the debate will rage on because I think Nova Era, and again, I haven't listened to it in a long time, but I could see that being in the nine area, eight point seven five. I agree. That's it's been a, a while. Very good album.
1: It's been a while since I've listened to it. Um, re- it's Rebirth is the name of the album. Yes, I'm sorry, Rebirth. Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, Thank you. There, There's some there's some of my all-time favorite Angra songs on that. I, I guess it's been a while. I mean, he- I'm thinking of like Heroes of Sand. And there's oh, some yeah. really, really good tunes. Um, I, I remember Acid Rain was the first song that they dropped. It was the first time hearing Angra without Andre. And it was like, eh, maybe they're... Maybe they'll be okay after all. So yeah, yeah, I would definitely like to talk uh, about that album and, and fireworks at, uh, at some point in time too. I, I I, like you, I've heard people say the same thing about um, the, uh, I'm sorry. uh, Temple of shadows, temple of shadows. Um, I, it never clicked for me. I don't know why, but again, it was also during that kind of lost period for me where I was just kind of on the outs with metal um, and then you know the 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 final two albums with Edu uh, just never really did much for me. Um, and then I have really enjoyed the the two the two albums they've done with with Fabio. But I just the 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 standard that they created with their first two albums is just so difficult to to top. And beyond that. Andre Matos is one of my favorite vocalists of all time. So anything that doesn't have him on it is already kind of working at a disadvantage to begin right. with. So, I mean, it is what it is, but I, I just, I just think that these two albums, is just like, what, what a, what a way to kick off a career. I mean, just, just outstanding stuff. And, you know, not a, not a, not a, a, a ranking under 9.5, from either of us for both albums. So I think that puts a bow on it. Um, just a couple of news items that I
0: think are, are definitely worthy. or a few anyway. Um, Mark Lopez, the singer for Ross, the boss is being rumored to replace Mike Howe in metal church, big shoes to fill. But I thought that was interesting because they uh, metal church is not calling it a day. And it is, um, it would be interesting to hear him kind of front the, the, the Mike Howe metal church band Mike Howe was one of the best live singers I've ever seen. I could not believe how good he was in concert; like it was, it blew me away how good he was live. Um, and he will be missed, but uh, it'll be interesting to hear them with with a with a new singer. Uh, Bruce Dickinson uh, coming out with a new solo album. It's been a very long time. I thoroughly enjoyed all of his old solo albums, but it appears uh, one is on the horizon. He mentioned this during one of his spoken word appearances. Uh, about a week ago, when he was in Finland, so that's going to be something to look forward to. Because is it going to sound like Maiden? Is it going to sound like his solo stuff? Really, could go in a lot of different directions. And and his his um solo catalog is pretty diverse, so you really don't know what that's going to be. But new new Dickinson material is always interesting. Uh, I hope
1: I hope it doesn't sound like Maiden because I, he has no, such a pro this, he has such a prolific voice. It, it'd be just kind of cool to hear him sing something in a different style. I mean. You got to hear
0: some of the solo stuff. It's it's different, and, and right. But I
1: mean, I just think of like hearing him do like on an Arian album, and it was just like it's just cool hearing him do something different. And I think we've mentioned it before, and I'll mention it again. Being that you've mentioned Ross the Boss, I'll mention Manowar. Uh, like never never getting to hear Eric Adams do anything outside of Manowar is such a shame. Like, can you imagine if like they slapped him onto a Advantasia or Vantasia or an Arion album. like it, It'd be so cool to hear him do something non-Manowar related. Um, so I yeah, those are my two cents on that.
0: Com- completely agree with you uh, on that. It's kind of crazy that he never did, but all we know is his Manowar stuff. And then just uh, two tours I wanted to talk about very brief, briefly. Coheed and Cambria, um, a band that was in my top 50 for their album last year, announced a north american tour they're starting april 28th in norfolk virginia they're doing a run of shows uh, through may 26th in uh i believe arkansas and then taking a little break and then going back out september 6th through october 7th where they wind up in los angeles i've never seen them live i have a feeling that knox will try to catch one of these shows but i am really really curious to see them live Uh, and they're playing a really cool venue in manhattan so something to think about and then on the opposite side of the spectrum, about as far away from Prague Rock as you can get, uh, Death Metal Veterans Obituary is going out on tour with Immolation. Uh, they head out April 28th from Charlotte, and they end up in Louisville, Kentucky on May 28th. So if you like Death Metal, that is definitely a tour to check out with Obituary and Immolation. So, And by the way, the new Obituary album came out about two weeks ago. I listened to it a couple of times If you like death metal, I think you'll really, really like the album. It didn't do much for me, but it's also not my number one style.
1: Right. Um, You know, a band that I think we really should uh, do an episode on one of these days is Twisted Sister. Um, (laughs) And the reason I bring that up is because um, tonight, we're recording this on Thursday, um, tonight they're being inducted into the, um, the metal hall of fame and they're being inducted by Steve Vai and Mike Portnoy, um, who played with them on numerous occasions. Yeah. And he's, um, uh, he's going to be playing with them, uh, after the induction, I guess they're going to play a song, which is, is it. he said it would be the first time he plays with them since 2016. So, uh, I just thought that was, um, that is cool. Worth mentioning. And, and also it appears, um, the new man war lineup, uh, debuted in the Czech Republic. Um, I guess Manowar is still, um, on year nine of their, uh, their final tour. Um, so, uh, I, I'm okay if they choose to, uh, if they choose to not retire, uh, cause it would be nice to be able to see them live again. Um, and I don't know if you saw this, but, uh, creator is playing a special 1985 to 1990 set on the, the tons of, uh, 70,000 tons of metal cruise. I don't know how familiar you are with their material from that time period. And if I that am not, is but I'm curious, to you, but...
0: So I, I don't know that material well at all. I probably know a handful of songs just from their live sets that I've seen, but I'm curious to hear it. And they also play two sets. So there's a chance that they do, you know, different stuff or more modern stuff in their other set. And I plan on seeing them twice just because they're so good live. They're just such a good live band um, but we'll see. I'm, I'm curious to see what they put together. And, and I have no doubt it'll be interesting. And I have no doubt that the ship will probably be in two separate pieces by the time that they're done. So there's that.
1: And uh, one last thing I want to mention, because I kept seeing this post, but I must not have actually read it. Because if I did, I would have been more excited. But uh, tomorrow, and by the time this drops, will be Friday of, of the last week. Uh, Nightwish is releasing a single of "The Phantom of the Opera" with Floor and um, and Hank Port, who was the uh, the the opera singer that she sang with on um, on that that uh, German um, singing show that she was oh, on, no and they they did that amazing Phantom of the Opera duet where the the people the host reactions were so amazing just watching them get blown away at these two amazing singers uh just singing Phantom of the Opera at each other and I had no idea but apparently um they're releasing a Nightwish version um it and it it said uh, apparently it's been 17 years since the band performed the song because I guess wow it was on, yeah. They, there was a version of it on one of their older albums with uh, Marco and Taria doing the the song. So this is uh, this is I, I look forward to hearing. I think that's going to be really cool.
0: Nice, good stuff. I had no idea they were doing that, so that'll be uh, that'll be exciting. And we had put up a poll on our Facebook group uh, that we you know we have on Facebook, and uh, the winner. Of the poll, which is going to be next week's album. And I'm very excited about this. Our second Black Sabbath album, but this time with Ronnie James Dio on vocals, 1992's Dehumanizer, um, which admittedly, I was not familiar with this whole album. I'm familiar with the Dio era Black Sabbath, but just the first go around about 10 years prior. So it is going to be really interesting to hear your reaction to this. And we have not talked Dio in this show. Um, We are long, long overdue for that. So I'm very excited to to talk to you uh, next week about this.
1: Yeah, I do know one song from this album because it was on the Wayne's World soundtrack and that was uh, Time Machine, I believe. Um, Right. So I look forward to uh, reminiscing which part of the film the song was featured in. Um, But uh, yeah, I don't even think I realized that Black Sabbath was making albums in the 90s. I thought that they kind of went on... Hiatus until Ozzy rejoined the band. Um, I didn't realize that that Dio was their singer for as long as he was. I thought it was only during the uh like when when did he join the band? The early eighties was when Ozzy left.
0: Yeah, he he it was like nineteen eighty with Heaven and Hell.
1: Yeah, so like I kind of thought that Sabbath made a few albums in the eighties, and then I, I had no idea they had a nineteen ninety two album. So. I I'm really kind of excited to hear this. So uh thanks to Chris uh Willenbrock for the um he, he had made the initial the poll. Yeah, he made the initial request and that's what ended up getting voted. And I have a feeling that Ronnie James Dio being the vocalist uh, kind of pulled some weight here. But uh thank we want to just thank Tara Mays for voting for themselves. Uh we'll get we'll go back to her Halo uh at some point. I think um that was a, a request uh from uh Brian cluff i believe who is I, I know is a big fan of that album so um but uh you know dio's kind of tough to beat isn't he it,
0: he is and then we got a little special surprise the the week following that and uh that'll take us midway through february and i'll come back with an album of my own uh the week after that so with that enjoy the week my friends i look forward to talking with you soon and uh stay metal my friend
1: you too peace